0: This is the City of God podcast, where Christ meets culture. Welcome to the City of God podcast, where we are weekly talking about today's biggest cultural issues all through the lens of God's infallible word. I'm Rob Pacienza and as always joined by my co-host John Rabe. John, great to see you today.
1: Great to see you as well, Rob. Good to be here and uh, we have another
0: important and interesting program planned. Today. Absolutely. We're talking with my good friend, Dr. Joel Satterley, who is the headmaster at our school, uh, owned and operated by the church, uh, Westminster Academy. Uh, he recently got his uh, doctorate of ministry from Knox. Theological Seminary, and I think he's been uh, headmaster of Westminster for uh, almost seven years now and uh, doing it doing an incredible job uh, leading a, uh, a school with a, with a rich history yeah. uh, just across the street from our church.
1: People who live in South Florida are well aware of Westminster Academy and what a great school that it is. And, of course, founded originally by Dr. Kennedy in 1971, yep. uh, your good friend and my good friend, Jennifer Cassidy, the daughter of Dr. Kennedy, yep. was coming of school age, and Dr. Kennedy realized, I— want her to receive a Christian education and education needs to be Christian. And looking at the landscape, he didn't see anything that fit the bill. So as was often Dr. Kennedy's way, he said, okay, yep. well, I'm going to do it. And that here, was in 1971. Yeah. 52 years later, 52 here years we later. are. and it's Yeah. And it was school. quite
0: an endeavor, particularly at the time. I mean, it, nowadays there's plenty of Christian private schools, but uh, uh, Dr. Kennedy and the founding faculty were really pioneers. Uh, they really endeavored to set out and develop an institution that not only excelled in academic excellence but also Christian uh, spiritual vitality, uh, training and educating the the whole child, not just their yeah. mind but their soul, giving them a biblical worldview. And uh, fifty-two years, uh, as as you said, I'm I'm a product of uh, the school, uh, the our founding uh, uh, founding pastor and founder of this uh, media ministry, D. James Kennedy, uh, his daughter Jennifer Cassidy uh, graduated from there as well. And uh, now uh, Dr. Joel Satterley is at the helm and doing an incredible job. I mentioned that he has been headmaster for seven years, but he has over 25 years in Christian education. And as he graduated from Knox Theological Seminary just a year ago, his dissertation was Constructing an Effective Biblical Worldview the significance of the Christian day school.
1: And that's really the reason that we wanted to have this conversation with Joel Satterly is because, Rob, you and I and Joel and, and Dr. Kennedy, when he was here, all have a commitment to education. We all are concerned about the next generation. You know, as the saying goes, the the, the, Christianity is always only one, uh, one generation away from extinction. It's always been that way. And God, God sees it through, but, we all look around and I think are concerned about the next generation. We see people walking away from the faith. We see kids who are embracing just completely anti-biblical, uh, frankly atheistic ideologies as they drift away from the church, and we're concerned about that and want to figure out how is it that we grab this next generation and give them the right worldview and fill them with that with the knowledge that they need and the faith that they need to to make it in the world
0: as Christians. Absolutely. So we'll talk uh, uh, why variety of topics from school choice to uh, what's happening in the public school system and what we can do about uh, protecting the next generation. So without further ado, here is our interview with Dr. Joel Satterley. All right, so we are joined today by Dr. Joel Satterley, headmaster of Westminster Academy. Joel, thanks for being on City of God podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for the invitation. So, Joel, you're, uh, you're big into Christian worldview and how that impacts the Christian school. In fact, you graduated recently from Knox Seminary uh, with your doctorate of ministry degree. And tell us a little bit about your project yep. and how that right. impacts your calling as headmaster of Westminster.
2: You know, the project uh, probably began 20 years ago. Uh, As part of my journey uh, as a Christian educator, being exposed as a young teacher to some guys who were already thinking about this, you know, they were into people like Schaefer and Lewis. And uh, even though I grew up in the church, I really didn't have any exposure to it. So uh, just really got um, very interested with some older guys mentoring me uh, and just said something about the power of that, right, along the journey. So throughout, you know, my professional uh, journey in, in Christian school, first as a teacher and then in leadership, uh, worldview, it, it's certainly a buzzword in the industry, mm-hmm. right? But, but it became even more poignant as you began to see the unfolding of educational philosophy, the way schools run, um, and drill down into what's, our, what's the actual purpose of Christian schooling, uh, so this became really, really significant. And so, with the opportunity to, um, f- you know, work through, I hope the last lap of my formal educational journey um, <laughs> uh, at Knox uh, to put that pen to paper and to be able to actually conceive of uh, uh, of that um, and, and see see it work out was really cool. Uh, so, really, the project uh, starts by tracing briefly. Uh, you know, it makes a, a biblical um, uh, case for. Um, what, what is education and the role of the family in that? And uh, defines worldview. Uh, really, I use um, three fundamental questions uh, uh, kind of as a diagnostic who is God? What is the nature of man? And what do you do with freedom? Uh, and think in, in the last one is a more modern. Um, iteration. I hadn't started thinking about it until about four or five years ago. And I uh, would like to thank our friend Oz Guinness for that mm. uh, as he, he framed that. And so uh, that, that I use that to define worldview and then work through uh, a brief history of Christian schooling in the our America, and then really get down to how do you do this in a school? And so at Westminster Academy, we've started with the faculty as um, who we expect to, to deliver this. And so we've Walked back and started from the beginning with all of our faculty and training them in what is a uh, more than just a standard biblical worldview, what is a reformed uh, covenantal gospel centered uh, worldview look like?
0: Yeah. So Westminster Academy has been around for over 50 years now, yes. celebrated 50 years back in uh, last year. Last year. Yeah. Uh, I'm a proud graduate of Westminster yeah. Academy. Um, Dr. Kennedy, our founder, uh, founded uh, not only the church and this media ministry, but also Westminster back in mm. the 70s. Explain to me from your perspective as headmaster, what led Dr. Kennedy to found mm. Westminster Academy and why was that vision for Christianity? education so important?
2: I think what Dr. Kennedy realized is uh, what a lot of, of, of us understand, and that is um, the a way you perpetuate generationally faith and culture uh, is through uh, the training of children. You know, we talk a lot about the 16,000-hour proposition, It's the, about the amount of time a student spends in school. Mm. And in our country, uh, everybody will spend it. So really, it's a question of where... Uh, Will you do that? And so I think Dr. Kennedy understood that, and I think he he saw um, very prophetically also the need for a place that an institution that would continue to perpetuate that. Yeah. Well, and this is something that's
1: not only desirable, but it's it's really indispensable now. And as we go, we'll talk a little bit about why it's it's indispensable, why it's absolutely necessary for Christian parents to to educate their children in the faith and that it requires those, those 16,000 hours. Um, but to dig into something that's a little bit uh, of a buzzing controversy, although it seems like it shouldn't be a controversy, but here in the state of Florida, we have uh, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis, who's been quite a newsmaker uh, nationally lately, but he has recently signed House Bill 1 in the state of Florida, which uh, is a bill that essentially gives uh, Florida parents school choice. It's a voucher program that will roughly give, it's the the biggest expansion of school choice in, in the state of Florida's history, and it would make every Florida student eligible uh, for taxpayer vouchers to go to private schools worth about $8,000. Um, it's interesting that Sir Survey after survey shows that School choice is wildly popular and it's wildly popular across parties because even people who traditionally vote uh, Democratic uh, want their children to be able to choose schools. And yet here we are. Mm. Uh, this is a, a controversial issue. He's under fire for that. As an educator, as someone who is uh, is in the, the, the business, but also the calling and the passion mm. of of Christian education, what do you make of this? Why
2: is this important and why is it so under fire? That's that's um, there's a lot there. Um, So I think I'd start with for a long time, maybe uh, two decades, Florida would be recognized as a very um, as a state very oriented toward private education. So uh, it's not a new this isn't new to Governor DeSantis, although I think he's taken um, this uh, this uh, voucher program to a whole different level, mm-hmm. um, so our state has kind of been oriented this way um, uh, for a while, uh, w- which I think is things interesting to as compared to other parts of the in the country. Um, so it is a good place to to be in the private school business, uh, w- which is helpful. I think what's interesting about this is um, any time public public policy is enacted that recognizes. The sovereignty of family and the role of family, and particularly as it relates to the education of their children, we should rejoice at that. Mm-hmm. And so we're, you know, so that'd be where I, that, I think that's the most, the biggest takeaway is that we have um, civil government enacting uh, a law to um, strengthen that tr- that long-held traditional. Uh, understanding that parents uh, are responsible for the uh, training and uh, and admonition of their children, so let's start with that. Yeah. that's a big thing. I think um, it has huge implications. Um, uh, essentially, the program is expanding on something that was already there, but uh, as you said, it's making um, a voucher available to every student in the state, which is extraordinary, uh, and it begins to uh, level the playing field. I think and. Uh, For people that are interested in opportunity, uh, for students have opportunities to to do things they've not had it before, this is a a win for that as well.
1: And why is it so fiercely opposed? I mean, this really does upset some entrenched entrenched interests when you start and, and I'm always amazed that that and of course uh, I my I and my wife were homeschooling parents but we would often face that idea that somehow we were letting down the community that we were somehow traitors to our neighborhood by by homeschooling our children well you formalize this and make a financial uh, portion of it you, you suddenly you you hear a lot of this that you know you you are destroying the public schools you are destroying our state by simply allowing families to choose where their children go to school
2: yeah and that certainly um assumes something that you know that may not be true about the public school system in general Mm. you know uh when you start that Um, you know there are a number of um, economists that have looked at these kinds of voucher programs across the country and and uh, have can demonstrate that this is actually uh, economically uh, a positive move for states that do this because private schools generally educate children uh, more efficiently. Uh, uh, so there's an economic win if you just want to look at it that way. Mm. But I think it's fiercely opposed for no- a couple of reasons. One is uh, any time – um a, a group that has some sort of power uh, or some sort of influence or some sort of of Monopoly That begins to be eradicated. Um, of course, there's fierce opposition to that in any arena. And we know this to be true. And, and we're seeing this is here. Competition is supposed to be a good thing. Um, but there are folks that would struggle with that uh, idea. Uh, that's one. The other is, you know, from a worldview standpoint, I think is maybe more important. And that's this question of, is it the government's responsibility or the family's responsibility um, uh, to oversee the mm-hmm family. And so when to your point, people are saying, well you're letting down the community or you're against the public schools or whatever, that presumes that you believe that's where that jurisdiction ought to lie. Mm. And as, as as Christians and who, who who are serious about what God's word says, we would say no. Um, government has an appropriate role, um, uh, but that's not it. Um, so I think that's probably why. If for our audience, listeners, um,
0: parents, and grandparents mm. that are wrestling with where to send their kids to school, why, particularly in the twenty-first century, is private Christian education mm. so important?
2: You know, I heard somebody preach a sermon recently about this, um, uh, just Sunday. I think I think it's so design, mm. so design. Uh, you know. A lot of people have made the mistake of pulling up to a gas station and ignore the fact that the diesel nozzle is green and clearly marked and and will make the mistake of putting that diesel into a gasoline-powered engine. And, you know, what you discover is that it'll sputter and run for a brief period of time, and then it seizes up. And you take the mechanic, the mechanic says, well, it wasn't designed to run that way. Well, Same. Yeah. You know, God has designed us a particular way, and and uh, so Christian day schools are about teaching and nurturing and cultivating students individually and collectively in the manner in which God designed them, and that's a fundamental difference. You know, we're, we're interested in trying to help students maximize their God-given potential while realizing the realities of the fall and their brokenness and, and 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 their need for a savior, all of that, but with the design in mind, yeah, and I think yeah. there are other places where that is just not the case. Yep.
0: Yeah, you're not you're not going to hear about creation. Uh, in the public school no, system. No,
2: or, or at least God's design for it. Uh, yeah, right? exactly. And exactly.
1: that's one of those, you mentioned uh, worldview a little bit earlier, and, and as you said, it's it's a little bit of a buzzword now. I, I first discovered it through Charles Colson uh, in ah. the 1990s when I was yeah. a young Christian and realized uh, th- this was an eye-opening thing for me, and I've discovered that, that many Christians do not yet have their eyes open to this. I think there's this idea that Christian education means that you, you have a religious component. So maybe there's a religion class along with it. But the average Christian, in my experience, has this idea that most of the stuff that kids are taught in school is neutral. So it doesn't matter where they get their math. It doesn't matter where they get their science. It doesn't matter where they get right. their history. It doesn't matter where they get their literature, English literature. Um, but you'd like, you know, Christians want to add a, a religion hour onto that. This is far
2: deeper than that. Absolutely. This is much more holistic. I'm, look, I would say, first of all, no no society has honestly ever believed that education is neutral. Mm. Mm. Um, we know this. We look at how the Greeks viewed education or, or the Hebrews go to Deuteronomy 6, for example, or Psalm 78. These are ancient societies that understood that education is not neutral. I mean, if you want a different way of looking at it, go look at what happened uh, during the Bolshevik Revolution or the rise of Nazism in Germany. I mean, there are no societies that believe education is neutral. They say that they, they try to, it's, it's one of the lies that gets spun. And mm. and and if you say a lie, some it's been said, if you say a lie often enough and loud enough, it becomes the truth. So let's start with that. Education is inherently not neutral, right? So um, we, we need to understand that. I think more more significantly, if there is a God who created and it was created in a manner in which there is an inherent design, then everything else follows from mm. that. Yeah. Uh, two plus two is four because God ordered the universe. You know, um, uh, science flourishes in a biblical uh, it has flourished in, the, in under a Western. Um, world, uh, you know, uh, under in the West, as opposed to some other, uh, yeah,
1: the Judeo-Christian yes, influence has drove provided the science. it's the it's yeah. the
2: fuel, absolutely, you know, that, that's allowed that, right? So I think the Christian day school starts there and understands that, you know, in Deuteronomy six, it's interesting the imagery there, is basically, at all times, in all places, in all seasons, talk to your kids about this, right? Mm-hmm. Keep this in front of your kids. And there's a lot of imagery there, but basically it means, all the time, everywhere. Right. So that's a holistic, deep approach to this. It's not segmented and it's not, there's a, not a sacred and a secular. There's, you know, for the believer, there's only sacred. Mm. Right.
0: Yeah. We really owe, I mean, this to the Reformation. You know, yeah. With yeah. The, the, with right. the discovery of the Word of God, uh, the rediscovery of the Word of God for all people and the call of, the laity being able to read it and interpret it for themselves required universal education. And so we right. owe so much to, of our Reformed roots to the idea of the Christian day school and then the neo-Calvinists like Herman Bovink and Abraham Kuyper and yep. uh, the idea of sphere sovereignty. Right.
2: Huge. I mean, even Luther talking about his high view of Christology and low view of anthropology, right? I mean, you know, he was wrestling through what's the right view of what's the right view of what Christ has done and, and what's the right view of man, you know, in the face of the Enlightenment, right, which was which is on the other side of that, Yeah, They're, you know, flipping that equation. Right. I have the
0: opportunity as a pastor of Coral Ridge and you as the headmaster of Westminster Academy, uh, we have the next generation kind of under our purview for mm. uh, certain... If, certain amount of years and several decades they eventually go off to college. we see the statistics right. of the amount of youth leaving the church mm-hmm. walking away from the faith. What's your perspective on that and any idea of why this is happening and what the answer is for mm-hmm. the church and the Christian day school in the twenty first yeah, century great
2: it's a great conversation. Um, I think there are people uh, a lot of smart people trying to wrestle through that as you know um, sure. seems to me a couple quick thoughts about that one is, Uh, We have to take an honest look at our own efficacy, uh, the efficacy of our institutions, you know, when we start to see statistics like that. And, you know, there's a tendency to um, explain things away without taking an honest, hard look. So we ought to start there. Uh, You know, one of the things the gospel allows us to do, right, is gaze intently in the mirror and and tell the truth about ourselves, right? So let's start there. Um, So I do think that... Um, one of the things in the in the school context that we have to guard against is the encroaching um, secular philosophy that is the water in which we all swim. Mm-hmm. And you know, worldview development is not uh, it's not like a one and done thing. It's 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 akin to our sanctification, right? We have to continue to be working and refining it, and and we're under constant assault of, uh, ourselves, and so. Think there's a tendency for institutional creep, and one of the disadvantages of the Christian day school movement today is it's now an established part of our culture, and so once something becomes established, it can become a bit lazy. Hmm. Um, and you know, they're saying about pioneering and carving that out. keeps hungry. you on the toes. Yeah, yeah. Yep. where I think we've become normalized, and so that's something we have to guard against. I think, and there are some. Organizations across our country and some people starting to think about that. Um, the Council of Educational Standards and Accountability, for example, ceases a fairly new organization. Westminster Academy's is privileged to be only one of three Florida schools admitted to those ranks. That's a group that's collectively thinking about that. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, in the church, side, I think similarly. I mean, I think ch- churches. There's all kinds. Of, it's not my area of, um, of of practice, but it it seems like there's. Sometimes some confusion about what's what are we aiming at, and, and ultimately w- what should be our focus. And um, it, I I encounter parents, you know, our young parents today are parents who are products of um, the, uh, the the more modern uh, church movements, right? And so we have to make some adjustments to that as well, right? Sure.
1: Sure. Explain that. Uh, Tell me what you mean by that.
2: Well, so if you look back, say, when the Christian day school movement, so when Dr. Kennedy started Westminster Academy, let's start there. Yeah. Um, You don't have—the church, the the local church didn't generally have a predominant youth group culture, Mm, for example. Okay. Right? Right. It had a different— uh, it, it had it just had a different vibe. It had a, a di- kind of a different culture to it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying one's right or wrong. This thing's different, yeah. right? So the, so our institutions were birthed into a world that looked one way, and now four or five decades in, um, those some of those norms and how people, how parents grew up. You know those norms are different. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm old enough to remember phones with tails, right? <laughs> right. You know, um, yep. you know, at our shop, if we have a technology issue, I go find a I go find a sophomore. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. I because mean, you got you know, it's just a different mm-hmm. way in which the world is. Yeah. So there's some of those differences. try sure, to understand sure. them and yeah. wrestle through
1: them.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. That according to the Lifeway research that happened over the last ten years, I mean we're we're seeing numbers like sixty-five to seventy percent of youth raised in the church walking away from the mm. faith sometime during their college experience. I think on the but the takeaway for me is the numbers of children that didn't walk away from the faith, that remnant, uh, were raised in a church, school, and family that it's valued true. a biblical worldview it's and true. taught biblical yeah. competency, not only teaching them the truths of scripture, but how to apply it to all of life, how to have that world yeah. and life yeah. view. So something to be said about churches and schools mm-hmm. like ours that are putting a lot of time and a lot of energy yeah. into raising up a next generation I to... Think to- yeah. Have the mind of Christ. Yeah. It's a great
2: point, Rob. I think we spend too much time talking about the negative stats, and I yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. appreciate— There is a remnant that, out there. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I think one of the things that you see here, you know, just talk about Westminster Academy Coral Ridge, is there is a 50-plus year, 60 on the church side track record of seeing the, the, that synergy, yeah, right, and absolutely. seeing the fruit of that.
1: And Christian education really is the only— bulwark on this stuff. I mean, when you you mentioned a moment ago, you know, the water in which we all swim. And, and I think that's also a good description of what culture really mm. is. And maybe during the pandemic, parents started to wake up to this sort of thing more because they saw what their kids were learning as they were taking Zoom classes. But um, I, there seems to be a dawning awakening, thankfully, but that Kids are inundated with worldviews. Kids are inundated with culture. And I think that's true in a way that it wasn't true when the three of us grew up. And we're all, you know, within an age range, yep. but on different spots on yep. that age range. But it's far different now. And those those worldly influences and those worldly uh, worldviews are just absolutely hammered against them like, like radiation.
2: I tell um, – when I get to speak in chapel, I have that privilege with our high school students. I tell them – Uh, their experience of growing up is way more difficult than it was in my world. Mm. You know, um, they walk out of their homes sometimes before they get out of bed in the morning, before they get out of their bedroom and are bombarded with more information than any generation in the history of the world. You know, through smartphones and and, and also our advertising culture. And you just think about all of the information that that has to be processed and they have to sift through. Um, it truly is daunting, and and you know sometimes we talk with our some of our rising classes as parents are making choices about high school, for example, or or some other parts of the school, and we, we've just started asking, you know. Um, how, the other day, I asked some parents, "How many of you uh, went to your children this morning and asked them uh, what stock to buy, <laughs> uh, and and should you buy or sell, or where, where should your investments be?" And of course, the answer is, "Well, none." Yeah. So then the response is, "Then why are you talking about where do they want to go to school?" Mm. Yeah. Um, the investment you can make more money, right? You can make a bad investment and recover from that. Yeah, but you only have one. But you shot. only have one. You only have one shot. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's so important. And I think that goes back to our earlier discussion about parental rights. Mm. And I think also the importance of having a proper understanding of everybody's role mm-hmm. in raising the child and why we believe in sphere sovereignty the the church shouldn't be the school and the school shouldn't be the the family everybody understands their role and the, the
1: bible family. as you, as you pointed out gives that educational responsibility to the family sphere yep.
0: and that's what i appreciate about joel and westminster academy they're constantly saying things like we're partnering with the parents yes. partnering with the family the emphasis yeah. being on the parents and on the family and we do the same at the church you you, at the end of the day, parents are the chief disciplers of your home and your mm-hmm. children, not, and this goes back to that youth group culture, you're not uh, outsourcing discipleship yeah. and education off to these two spheres. They, they will come and partner and supplement and aid in the development of your child and their mind and their soul, but ultimately it's your responsibility.
2: It's and you see the sweet spot in a place like this, right? So you've, mm. you see where the family, school, and church merge. You know that yeah. that you know uh, where those spheres overlap, and that's where the that is the force multiplier. Yeah, right. It, not to say it can't happen just in a family or just in a church or just in a school. It's be put those together. Those are the institutions you know that that God has seemingly raised up for these things, and so you see that you see the power of those coming together and the in the complementary aspects of that
1: how do we keep them safe? We now live in an era, yeah. unfortunately, where school shootings seem to happen every few weeks. Uh, we're just coming off, you know, a month or two ago, the the tragic shooting at Covenant School in Nashville. And uh, it, it appears, again, it's sort of strange that we still don't have this manifesto that this shooter wrote. But a former student of the school, a trans student, it appears that there was some sort of particular animus towards that school that uh, she was acting out. Uh, in in this atmosphere in which we live, how do you protect the kids who are in your care these days?
2: What happened in Nashville was um, uh, tragic and hit home to a lot of us. Um, and uh, it, still, it's a there's a bit of a buzz about that. You know, as, as you as you raise that, mm-hmm. I think first thing I would say is um, as we f- as we engage in this cultural war. We ought not be surprised uh, that we see these kinds of uh, demonstrations of evil. Mm. Um, In fact, we know that we're going to see this from time to time. Uh, We should lament it and weep over it. But um, surprise is probably not uh, uh, a suitable response. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we have to know that. You know, we have to understand that because we're saying things like education isn't neutral, that makes us, you know, um, puts us in a in a different light. And you know, when you begin to, you know, we're 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 after, you know, Christian day schools are after a particular aim, right? And so you you you. Uh, create some of that animus. Uh, there's no avoiding that. So I think you have to be... Uh, because of all that, and you realize that, you have to be vigilant. You know, so you have to train y- 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 the staffing. One of the things that's come out of the Nashville shooting, I think, that's um, remarkable and commendable is the performance of the staff. Yes. You know, um, uh, the foresight of the school leadership and the way in which th- they um, uh, follow their protocol. Mm-hmm. I think. I think you also saw... Um, so that's important. I think you also saw that a school cultivated a relationship with local law enforcement hmm. and and the w- manner in which those uh, brave and heroic officers responded. Um, so those are two things. And we do um, those yeah. things as well. We have a very strong relationship with, with Fort Lauderdale police and enjoy that and cultivate that. Um, I think you have to train, you have to be vigilant. And then. Well, The other thing you have to do is, unfortunately, is allocate a big part of your budget for it, mm-hmm. you know. And one of the things that's different is now, you know, when, when we're having uh, budget discussions, Westminster Academy, we're having in that right now, actually, for next year's uh-huh. budget. And you know, it's not just which math textbooks and, you know, what teachers are we going to uh, hire and how much can we contribute toward people's retirement. It's what is it going to cost us to have um, uh, police car on our campus every day? Mm-hmm. Um, how many uh, armed security guards do we need on campus? So, you know, security has become a line item, Yeah. Uh, quite honestly. And uh, one, you can't skimp. And then it also, it goes to architecture. How do you design your campus? Mm. Mm. And how do you configure it? And one of the things we've, we've retrofitted ours, uh, because in the 70s, um, schools in Florida were open.
1: Yeah, you walk in around anybody
2: could come in uh, uh, because people didn't do these right, things, and right. we live in Florida; it's really hot, and you want to enjoy, you know, all of that. Well, we've had to uh, retrofit that, and so when you think about future um, construction, future campus design, how you single point of entry, barrier walls, mm. you know, internal controls now are like a big part, bigger part of the issue than what's the decor. Mm. Yeah, Joel.
0: Last question, uh, going back to the the shooting in Tennessee, Uh, the church and school, part of our denomination, the Presbyterian Church in America. So, yeah, when you say it hit close to home, certainly, I mean, just the denominational ties and uh, similar format and structure, church and school. If every moment is a worldview shaping moment, Mm. what was your message theologically speaking to faculty and the student body in light of that shooting?
2: You know, we came together immediately, and um, the first thing you do is fall on your knees and cry out mm-hmm. to God for mercy. And, um, you know, Scripture says we grieve with those who grieve, and so that was yeah. the first thing that we did. Yeah. Uh, and um, uh, then the natural tendency is how do you help? You know, so, you know, you look for places to do that, and our church did that, and some of our other organizations, so we were able to come alongside and partner. But then when we take a breath... And we talked about things like there really is evil in the world. Mm. Um, let's not pretend that there's not. Um, let's look at what happens when people try to live contrary to God's design. Wow. The friction and the chaos that that causes inevitably results in some sort of uh, uh, the, you know, crying out— you know, Paul writes in Romans: the very creation cries out, right? We about the, about the brokenness uh, in the fall. So we talked about that um, theologically. That's how we went th- went through this, and and then reminded our folks. Just we just did this again um, last week. reminded our folks that so that uh, Harry Reader reminded us all uh, recently: the battle is we know that the war is won, uh, but there's still battles to be fought. Mm and um uh some of those God has appointed for us to fight and so uh let's do that when when uh you know when, when that's true and let's support those um, who are
0: also doing yeah it. we live in the light of the promise of Shalom yes yeah yeah awesome well Joel yeah. thank you so much for being on today Thanks and for having uh, me. look forward to having you back thank you Thank you for listening to the City of God podcast made in partnership with the Institute for Faith and Culture. This is a weekly podcast, so make sure you go to cityofgodpodcast.com. Also, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. There is is a video version of this podcast as well, so make sure you check that out on our YouTube page. If you were encouraged or found today's conversation helpful, would you please pass this along to family? and friends as together we are navigating this cultural moment all through the lens of God's infallible word. Thank you once again for listening to the City of God podcast and may God richly bless you.